Amen. I'm so grateful to God. Psalms 91 and verse 11. The Bible says, For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. And I preach to you tonight on this thought, when angels come. When angels come. Amen. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the ministry of your spirit that's already moved through this sanctuary. God, this word has been turning in my heart for several days. God, you met with me this afternoon in a profound way. So I knew long before I stood here what you desired to do, and it's already begun. But God, I'm asking now through the word of the Lord that you would bring clarity and a finished work, and you would seal some things in our spirit. In Jesus' name I pray, and the church said amen. The Lord bless you. You can be seated. We find record of it in both Matthew and Luke in the fourth chapter of each gospel. The scripture would tell us Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost was led up of the Spirit into the wilderness. As unpleasant as it might be to our wishes, I trust you know tonight that there's some struggle in the journey. Life is not without battles. Paul wrote that all things work together for good because on the surface, good could not be found. And so here we find in the record of Jesus' temptation, He is in the wilderness. It's a lonely place without question. He's already hungry. He's tired. But now the gospel writer would tell us he is tempted also. The temptation offered what seemed to be an easier path. Centered on self, it contradicted the heart of the angel's proclamation to Mary that he shall save people from their sins. His life would always be about others, no matter the cost. But now the tempter comes and entices him with another way, with misquoted scripture and words without context. He offers the ideals of safety and self-preservation, fueled by selfish ambition and vain glory. This way of the temptation excuses carnal living. It attempts to draw on the power of the Spirit while neglecting the purpose of the Spirit. Now the fact is, Satan has known since the prophetic word of Genesis 3 that his time was limited. A day would come in which the word of the Lord would be fulfilled and the seed of the woman would crush his head. And now his words reveal a curious suspicion, yet still uncertain. If thou be the Son of God, it's a question of identity. It is to say... I think you might be he who's come to deal with me, but I'm not quite sure. Some curious, some inquiring to find out. And the writer would tell us in both gospel accounts three times, he appeals to the humanity of the Lord in the temptation. If you really are who some believe you to be, if you really are who I think you might be, And such was the record 
of the temptation three times. But to each inquiry and to every temptation, Jesus responds not with mere human opinion. He didn't draw from the words of any politician or popular hero of the present moment. Because what good is your political policy when you're standing toe-to-toe with the devil? I don't care if you call yourself Republican or Democrat. It doesn't do much. Yeah, I know there's many, probably even here tonight, God forgive me if I step on your toes, but you could recite the name of many great athletes. You even know their stat line, but can I tell you that equates to nothing in the Spirit. And sure, we can all regurgitate the narrative that news outlets put out, but all of that to no avail. You know what Jesus says? Jesus says, it is written. Because when you're standing toe-to-toe with the powers of hell and you're looking the devil square in the eye, you better know where to draw your power from. So he didn't look to the news. He didn't look to Facebook. It is written. The psalmist said it like this, forever, O Lord. Thy word is settled in heaven forever. I've come tonight with good news. It was settled when he spoke it. It was settled 24 years ago when Pastor Harpool pulled into town. And tonight, on August the 20th, 2023, this is still settled. And I know the winds of culture are violently raging. There's contrary winds on every side. But this word is not settled on the American economy. It's not settled on a democratic government. This word is settled in heaven. So when everything on the earth is shaking, just like the writer said it was going to shake, this word doesn't shake forever. Thy word is settled in heaven. And such, we find ourselves in this dilemma. You cannot say it is written if you don't know it is written. Why do you think the psalmist said, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. It's not enough for it to be spoken. It's not enough for it to be written. You have got to know it because you can't say it is written if you don't know what is written. And so tonight we would be foolish to think we can overcome the powers of hell with anything less than what Jesus himself used. I tell us we need a deep and a daily relationship with the Word of God. I'm sorry to mess up your kitchen decoration, but your little bread box with the scripture is not going to get you through. You need something deeper. I know the day in which we live is so different than where Adam and Eve found themselves and Eve and where Jesus finds himself, but the battle is still the same. Jesus said in Matthew 22 and 29, ye do err not knowing the Scriptures, nor the power of God. What's your mistake? Your mistake was you don't know what the Word says. Because when the tempter shows up, you might not have time to get pastor on the phone. You might not make it till Sunday morning. 
When he shows up in the middle of your work afternoon, you might not have strength to get home that evening. That's why you've got to hide it in your heart. And it's got to be more than Acts 2.38 and John 1. You've got to get in the Proverbs and you've got to get wisdom and instruction and the fear of the Lord. You've got to hide it inside of you. Lest we fall prey to the same error that they did. We live in what is called the digital revolution. It's also called the fourth industrial revolution. The fourth revolution since the 1750s. And I would submit that this one has changed our world in a way that no others have. Who would have thought that there would come a time when we could pick up a phone and interact with somebody by live video anywhere in the world anytime? That you could, by a text message, send money from your bank account to somebody else's bank account. Convenient, sure, but it comes with a cost. I was speaking with a pastor friend of mine in California recently who prior to his conversion several decades ago was studying under one of the most prominent tattoo artists in America. And we began to talk about the reality of symbolism and imagery in our world. It spawned my mind on a journey as I began to think of the implications of some things he shared with me that day. Because the danger of convenience is the increasing level of illiteracy, especially biblically. Now, I know it's convenient. You don't have to type a full sentence anymore. In fact, you don't have to type at all. You just push the button. It'll type for you when you talk. And if you don't want to type words anymore, that's okay. You can just send an emoji. And I'm not preaching against emojis tonight. I send some of them here and there. But I would tell you, in what we think is an advancement of technology and a proud display of creativity and convenience has a danger ingrained in it. We become accustomed to not writing or reading anything especially the scriptures. We send a picture, an abbreviation, a few letters. We don't really write or read. We use images. And while we think it's cool and creative, you realize words and language are what permitted the evolution of human society. You realize the ancient communication was images, hieroglyphics. And still today, if you were to go into the tribal regions of the Amazon or the remote villages of Africa, you know what you would find? Images. And so what we're seeing is actually a reversion back to forms of tribalism. It's a loss of our ability to use language and words. And The problem with this is what is prevalent in culture at large bleeds into the church. And if we're not careful, we can become biblically illiterate. How can you know that which you don't read? How can you hide in your heart that which you do not handle? And what then do you do when the tempter shows up? Well, my pastor said, or the preacher said, no. You have got to know what the Word says. I'm sorry, but you're not going to be able to thumbs up or thumb down the devil. You're going to have to be able to give him book, chapter, and verse. You're going to have to be able to say, no, it is written that God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. 
You're going to have to say, well, over there in Corinthians, Paul wrote when he was moved on by the Spirit that God is not the author of confusion. But it's convenient, I know. Have a question, just Google it. Need to learn something? YouTube it. So we've become skilled at searching. Slaves to the endless scroll. Consuming a barrage of information that really is irrelevant when the tempter shows up. Why do you think Jesus said in John 5 and 39, Search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. It doesn't matter if you start in Genesis 1, or you go to the crossing of the Red Sea, or the walls of Jericho, or David and Goliath, or the prophet Elijah. Every Scripture is going to lead you down a story of Jesus Christ. It's going to bring you to a bloody conclusion of God manifest in the flesh, crucified on that cross, buried in that tomb, resurrected on the third day. These are they which testify of him. And so it's Paul who would write of what we call the second Adam in 1 Corinthians. See, now Eve was easily deceived because she lacked a personal knowledge of what God had spoken. No doubt she had heard it in some form from Adam, but still she failed to understand it and hide it in her own heart. And now the serpent speaks. The tempter comes. A misquoted word. Similar but subtly altered. And she is led astray. Captivated by temporal pleasure, her pursuit of this caused her to forfeit the spiritual dominion they had been given. Adam's reckless participation robs him of the same. And I tell us tonight that if we are not careful, the pleasures, the temporal pleasures of this present world can disillusion us. No, not all are inherently wrong. But anything out of balance becomes dangerous. I'm compelled of the Lord to caution us tonight that while we live in a new day, in a different world, Satan's tactic is still the same. Misquoted, misunderstood, unstudied, and worse, unlived Scripture will cause the reckless and unrestrained pursuit of temporal pleasure. It is a certain recipe for spiritual ruin. And so the Apostle Paul writes of Jesus, who he calls the second Adam in 1 Corinthians 15, in contrast with the first Adam. The first Adam is of the dust of the earth. The second Adam is from the heaven. The first Adam is deceived by a serpent on a tree. The second Adam is conquered by being crucified on a tree. The first Adam brought death through his disobedience. And the second Adam would bring life through his obedience. The first Adam lost his battle in the garden among the beasts. And now the second Adam among the beasts in the wilderness would win his battle in the same place. The first Adam lost spiritual dominion because of his inability to say no. And the second Adam restored dominion because of his ability to say no. 
And Paul would say, as we have the image of the first, so too will we take on the image of the second. So the question tonight is will we model our lives and our ability after the first Adam who could not say no or the second Adam who could? He said, preacher, where are you going with this? Well, this is where I'm going. You can't say no unless you know. You can't say N-O unless you K-N-O-W. You don't know how to respond. You don't have wisdom or direction or clarity or strength. You have no clarity of thought or singularity of vision, except you know what the Word of God says. But when you know and the tempter shows up, you say, no, it is written. And so we find at the conclusion of the temptation these striking words because Luke begins by telling us Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost is led up of the Spirit into the wilderness. But after the conclusion of that third temptation, he would write in verse 14, Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. I submit to us tonight there is a vast difference between simply being full of the Spirit and actually living in the power of the Spirit. It's one thing to be full of it. It's another thing to work in the power of it. And I preach to us tonight what we have already felt moving in here. There is a dimension of power available to us. But if we are going to inhabit it, if we're going to partake of it, I've got to tell you tonight, you don't get there with just your yes. It takes a no. I thank God for every yes in my life. But can I tell you, I've had to say far more no's than yeses. No is my conviction in agreement with the God-given restraints in my life. It is my submission to Scripture and the purpose of God. No is my willingness to impose restraint, to deny myself. It is to acknowledge that my primary pursuit in life is not to my happiness, but it's to His holiness. It is to forsake the cares of this world, to consecrate myself, that I may walk in the power of the world to come. Hey, I thank God for the yeses. I've had some yeses in my life. I said yes to God as an 18-year-old boy when I received the Holy Ghost. I said yes to God when I turned the direction of my life towards ministry. I said yes to God to the planning of a church. I said yes to God to the selling of everything and moving to Europe. I said yes to God when God said to me in February of 2021 that you need to live in Terre Haute, Indiana. I've said some yeses. But for every yes, I've had many no's. In times of frustration and weariness and battle, weary and discouraged, when the tempter shows up in my wilderness, offering me what seems an easier and more convenient way. And in that moment, it's not my yes that keeps me. It's my no. And what is it that gives me power to say no? It's my knowledge of what God has said. No, 
And the serpent starts slithering into the garden of my life and whispering things that are so similar but subtly altered from what God had said. It's a word out of context. It's something out of season. And it's easily believed if you don't know what God said. I'm preaching to somebody tonight about the necessity of a no in your life. The Apostle Paul said it like this in Galatians 5. This I say then. Walk in the Spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Now maybe like I, you had been led to believe that walking in the Spirit was all about power and revelation and glory and miracles. It's kind of what I used to think. And maybe in some measure it is. But we have no room for argument with the Scripture tonight. It speaks clearly. Walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. This is to say that walking in the Spirit is as much about what we do not do as what we do. Well, preacher, it's a lot more exciting when you tell us that we walk in the Spirit, we get power and glory and miracles. But walking in the Spirit is the power to know when and to what we must say no to. Now, he said, if you walk in the Spirit, you won't fulfill it. He didn't say you won't feel it. Oh, you're going to feel it. That's the tempter. He slithers into the garden of your life, whispering things contrary to God, contrary to the Word of the Lord, so similar but subtly altered. It's a word out of season. It's something out of context. It's misquoted. It's misjudged. And he tries to entice you another way. He tries to lure you outside the boundaries of the written Word and what the Spirit has spoken. And are you going to make the mistake of the first Adam and have the inability to say no? Or will you have the strength of the second Adam to say no it's written you see when my wife and I went moved with another couple to start a church I had all kinds of people whispering in my ear saying oh you're a capable young man you you can go do this by yourself this church needs a pastor the problem was they weren't laying on the floor of the Bible school chapel I was when the spirit of the Lord took my eyes over the landscape of the city and God called me to that place they didn't know what God said but I'm telling you the tempter will use any unrestrained flesh or any carnal person and sometimes he may even use a good person just to test your commitment to what God has said. And you know what I had to do? I had to say no. And there were times even in the process of of planning and struggling and pushing our way forward that we'd come home weary and discouraged and beat up and wondered, where in the world is God? What's happening, Lord? Why is this so hard? And I remember one conversation with Haley in particular driving through the business park in Halifax, Nova Scotia, where I was so overcome with depression and weariness that I just said, you know what? Maybe we got it wrong. Maybe this ministry thing is not for us. We'd be really good saints. We'd be the best saints that Brother Woodward's church has ever had. We could just move back there and we'll just be good saints. That's what we'll do. But the problem was... I had been somewhere with God when the Spirit spoke to me. So what do I do? I have to muster up the strength of the Word clearly spoken and say, no, it's written. He said it. 
Oh, God. It was only a couple months after my first conversation with Pastor Harpel about moving to Terre Haute that I started getting emails about other opportunities and other things. And in communication with one of them, he made this statement, well, I'm sure it won't be the last. And so here I am walking through the hotel lobby at North American Youth Congress last week when somebody from Global Missions comes up and trying to recruit me, trying to do this. And God bless them. I know they're just doing their job. But I, can I tell you, there's always going to be an easier way. There's always going to be a more glorious road. The question is... What did he say? There's all kinds of things that pull on your flesh that cause you to feel things well. I'd feel more fulfilled over there. I'd feel happier over there. I think I'd feel more financially secure over there. I feel this and I feel that. Well, you might feel it. But I hope to God you have the power to say no so you don't fulfill it. That's what walking in the Spirit's about. Hey, Every now and then, there might be a little power. There might be a little glory. There might be a little something that gives you goosebumps. But let me tell you what the Holy Ghost is really about. It's so when you start to step outside the boundary of what the Spirit spoke for your life, God says, wait a minute. The Holy Ghost starts going, no, 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 no. Don't do that. Don't do that. No. And then the question is, will you draw on the strength of the Word to say what the Spirit says? No. Now, I know this is contrary to a lot of what we like to preach in Pentecost because we are a movement that places a high emphasis on moments. I tell you, if you're here tonight, you can repent in a moment. You can be baptized in a moment, and your sin can be washed away in a moment. You can receive the Holy Ghost in a moment. Your life can be changed in a moment. But I also have to tell you, you can lose that in a moment. There's some things... That you don't get in a moment. See, the power I'm talking about, the dimension of spiritual dominion I've come to preach to you about tonight, you don't get that in a moment. You get it in the process. You get it in the walk with God. You get it in the daily grind. And that's why when you open the books of the New Testament, you've got one book about the birth of the church and 21 epistles about how to live in the church. Because God's trying to tell you, when the tempter shows up, you want the spirit to be able to rise up in you and say, no, don't you laugh at that joke. When you're 15 minutes into that show and something comes up that you know you probably shouldn't watch and the spirit says, no, that you have the power to pick up that remote and say, no. That when you're fellowshipping with someone who's entertaining conversation that's contrary to the leadership and contrary to the church and is against God, that you have the strength to rise up and say, no. One book about the birth and 21 books about how to live in the family of God. Now, I'm not going to stand here tonight and give you some false sense. They're not all no's. There's a lot of joy and promise in there. There's a lot of power and demonstration. There are some yeses. But when the tempter shows up, I'm telling you, it's your no that will save you. Consider Paul, who at the end of his own life, at the conclusion of his journey, he's writing that letter to the church at Corinth, and he says, even now I'm still putting my body under subjection. I'm still telling myself no. 
You mean the great apostle Paul? The most powerful missionary the early church had ever seen? Even he, yes, even he, at the height of his ministry, with all the success and glory he had ever seen, he writes and he says, I'm still having to say no to myself, lest what I have preached to others, I myself might miss. He writes to that young man, Timothy, in 1 Timothy 4.16, Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. And I would submit to us, we do a pretty good job on the second one. Take heed unto the oh, doctrine, no problem. we got books galore. We've got books on John 1 and Matthew 28. We've got books on Acts 2, and we can take you through Acts 2, 8, 10, 19. We can walk you through it all. We can start in Genesis 1. We can go to Genesis 3. We can take you through Isaiah 43 and 44. We can take you to 1 Timothy 3 and 1 Timothy 2 and Galatians 3 and Galatians 4. I mean, there's all kinds of scriptures in there on the oneness of God and the new birth message and a life of separation and holiness. We have been diligent in our care of the doctrine. But he also said, take heed to thyself. It's possible to care for the doctrine and not care for yourself and still miss the mark. It's also possible to take care of yourself and not care of the doctrine and still miss the mark. Paul said, Timothy, there's something I need you to understand. You're going to have to take heed unto thyself. You're going to have to learn how to say no. You've said yes to this thing called ministry, Timothy. You've said yes to the will of God. You've said yes to his plan and his purpose. But Timothy, I need you to also learn this. You're going to have to learn how to say no. Because as you continue in them, for in doing them, you'll save both yourself and them that hear thee. And so I preach to you tonight on the necessity of saying no. It was Adam and Eve's inability to know, to obey, and to say no when the tempter showed up that caused them to forfeit the spiritual dominion God had given them. And when Jesus himself finds himself in a similar setting when the same tempter shows up, Three times as humanity is appealed to for an easier, more convenient way. He looks him in the eye and says, no, because it is written. But the problem is you can't say no unless you know. You can't declare what is written unless you actually know what is written. Well, preacher, I thought scripture memorization was just for the Bible quizzers. Yeah. That's why you struggle to get through a day. Because when you're not sitting in front of a computer or the Bible's not in front of you, you have no way to call it to memory. You have no way to speak it. You have no strength to draw from. You have no power to resist. You've got to hide it in your heart. Now, I know you're thinking... How in the world are you preaching this with the title, When Angels Come? Full disclosure, it wasn't the title I wanted. I had another one. And the Lord gave me this yesterday. Because it's at the conclusion of that third temptation. The scripture would record in Matthew 4 and 11, Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered. Unto him. 
So let me just preach to somebody right now who the devil's been messing with your mind. Some lying spirit has showed up in your garden and is speaking things contrary to what the Word of God declares over your life. Let me talk to somebody now who's in your own temptation, who's battling the beasts of the wilderness, who's staring the devil in the eye, who's facing down the powers of hell, and you're questioning the certainty of what God said, and you're unsure what the outcome of your temptation will look like. Please hear me tonight. Just say no. Well, I I said it once, preacher. That's great. Keep on saying it. If he comes a second time, say it again. If he comes a third time, say it again. If he says you're not going to be healed, say no. If he says your kids aren't going to be saved, you rise up and you say no. If he says your family's never going to be put back together, you get up on two feet, you look them right in the eye, and you say no. No, 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 no. But what authority do you have to say that? I'm glad you asked. It is written. He said the promise is unto you and your children and all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. That's for my kids. That's for my children. That's for my family. Oh, you just don't know what the devil's been doing. No, I don't know. But I do know what you need to say. You need to get up out of your lazy boy. Get a little spiritual fortitude working in you. Look him square in the eye and say, no! Because I'm going to tell you what happens when you keep saying no, 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 no. There comes a moment like we felt earlier in this service when what happened to Jesus happens to us and the angels show up. Why did they show up? I'll tell you why. Because in in his humanity, he was weak. He was battling. He was discouraged. He was struggling. And he needed strength from another world. And that's what you need. You don't need another vacation. You, 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 you don't need a good steak dinner at the best restaurant in town. You don't need a weekend away. I'm going to tell you what you need. You need to open up your spirit to something that comes from another world. You need to open the realm of your faith to the reality that those spirits, those angels of God, the writer said, are just ministering spirits sent to those who would inherit salvation. That's us! Well, why did they come? I'll tell you why they came. Because he just kept saying, no, no. I reject that lie. I resist that temptation. I will not give in. I will not quit. I'll not turn away. No, no, no. And finally, finally, the devil got it. I'm not going to get him. Listen, I can't tell you how long. The temptation's going to last. For one person, it might be a summer. For another person, it might be a season. For somebody else, it might be years. But whether you're one week into it, six months, or six years, you hear this preacher tonight. What you've got to say is no! Reject the lie that you can't be healed. Reject the lie that your kids can't be delivered. Reject the lie that your family can't be mended. Reject the lie that your opportunity and your ministry and your kingdom productivity has passed. Reject it. 
So to you who is here tonight weary in the unrelenting war with the devil, you who are hurting and wondering, when will this end? I must tell you, you can't have victory over a spirit you entertain. Unless you say no, he's going to make himself at home. I'll tell you what Adam should have done. The first time he heard that silly serpent open up his mouth and speak a similar but subtly altered word that God had spoken, he should have walked over, grabbed that thing by the tail, and whipped it out of the garden. But instead of saying no at the recognition of a lying and deceiving spirit, they just carried on the conversation. Just kept looking at the beauty of that fruit. Becoming increasingly disillusioned by that temporal pleasure. And subtly deceived by that word that was just slightly altered. I got to tell you tonight, the devil ain't going anywhere until you learn to say no. I preached a message here a few weeks ago and my wife told me it wasn't one of my better ones, but I thought the thought was pretty good. I know God told the devil, you can afflict Job. But what would have happened if Job would have risen up with a little spiritual fortitude and said, I think I'm done dealing with this. Everybody in his life attributed the trouble in his life to God. Curse God and die. Good and bad come from the hand of God. Hey, God let it come, but he didn't cause it. So what would have happened if Job would have risen up and said, You know what? I have discerned. That the activity in my life is not of God, but it's of that tempter. And I've got something to say. No more. Now, I don't know. I can't prove it to you. But you can't prove it to me that God said it had to last that long. What would have happened if he woke up that day and said, you know what? Because here's the reality. Whether we want to admit it or not. The devil can spiritually manipulate the weather, the economy, the minds and the words of people. Go read the book of Job. All of that was caused by the manipulation of the tempter to bring Job to a place where he would curse God. And thank God his integrity held him intact. He refused to curse God. But what would have happened if he discerned the presence of that tempter? The same one that had got Adam and Eve. And he would have risen up and said, hey, no. And so I'm telling you tonight. There's some things that you're battling, some things that you're dealing with, some things that, dare I say, you may even have become complacent with and are tolerating that you must say no to. Because when does the angel come? The angel comes when you say no. 
The angel shows up when you say, I'm not going any other way. I don't care if they criticize me. I don't care if they laugh and mock and scorn me. I don't care if they can't make sense of it. I'm not turning any other way. I'm staying in the truth of God's word. I'm staying with Acts 2.38. I'm staying with holiness and separation. I'm going to live righteously with God. When you say no, because I know his word says that by his stripes we are healed. When you reject the report and you deny the negative outcome because you've got this word that says he sent it to heal thee. I'll be the first to admit to you tonight, I don't understand why God does everything he does. I've watched God heal cancer. I've watched other people die of cancer. But let me tell you something about the people that internalize this truth. Their body may die, but their spirit never dies. I watched old Ruth Ketty in Nova Scotia years ago. This cancer took her body to nothing. But she'd walk in their church service so weak and frail, worshiping God, smiling, always asking, how are you? What can I do for you? She was the ladies' director. How can we serve you church planners? You know what it was? It was somebody who rejected the rapport. No, she wouldn't accept it. She understood. There's a power available to me. I know my body's afflicted. I know the outcome is this. But there's this power. And nobody can make sense of it because you shouldn't have joy when you're going down like that. You shouldn't be given to others when you have desperate need to receive of others. How does that happen? I'll tell you how. It's because an angel showed up. And the temptation in the garden with beasts strength from another world. And it's only three and a half years later that we find the same experience again. This time, it's not the devil he has to say no to. It's his own flesh. Matthew 26 would say, he went a little farther, falls on his face to the ground and prays, crying, Oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. I don't want to do it. There's no glory in the pain. But it's not about what I want. I'll say no to myself so I can say yes to you. He admonished Peter to do the same. Only two verses later, he looks at Peter and says, Peter, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And the scripture would say he goes again a third time and prays the same words. Striking to me that at the beginning of his ministry, three temptations, three it is written. And now at the conclusion of his earthly ministry, three prayers. And what are they? Not my will. But it would be easier, huh? I know it would. But you have to just decide. Are you going to stay around for the angel? Or are you going to go your own way? Peter, I know you're tired. I know you're weary. I know the hour is late. I know it's been hard to press to this point of the journey. I know your flesh is weak. But if you'll just stay awake, Peter, you're going to see the supernatural. 
I know you want to sleep. But Peter, if you go to sleep right now, you're going to miss the supernatural. He couldn't say no. He was tired. He was weary. And even though the word had admonished him to stay awake in this most important moment, he couldn't say no. But Jesus, knowing the hour and the necessity of this moment, the prophetic plan of God, as weary and weak as his flesh was, he says no. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. See, what I really wanted to preach to you was about the transition from simply being full of the Holy Ghost to walking in the power of the Holy Ghost. Because that's where I believe new life is right now. Hey, thank God for the outpouring of the Spirit. Thank God that we speak in tongues a little bit. But just because you can sha-ta-ta in tongues on Sunday, just because you can do it a little bit here and there, does not mean you're really walking in the power of the Spirit when you walk out of this building. And I'll tell you what the future, the necessity, the burden of responsibility for us to fulfill the prophetic plan that God has for this local body is going to require us to move into a dimension of spiritual dominion. And I wish, I wish I could tell you it just comes by saying yes. I wish I could tell you it comes by putting on your Sunday best and lifting your hands to the great worship we hear every week but that's not how it happens I'll tell you where dominion comes it comes in the daily walk when the tempter shows up and you say no that's where dominion comes that's where power comes That's why when he walks out of the wilderness, you know where the next place he walks is? He walks into a little synagogue. He says, hand me the scroll. And he wasn't talking about the Facebook scroll. He said, give me the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. And he opened up and said, hey, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He recites that prophetic word. And then he makes this statement. This day, the scripture is fulfilled in your ears. The fact is, He would have never stood in the place of prophetic fulfillment if he wouldn't have stood his ground and said no in the temptation. Preacher, I just don't know how I'm going to get out of this. I'm in a mess. I'm weak. I'm weary. I'm tired. All I want to do is sleep. I know you want to sleep, but you're not going to reap the strength of the Spirit and the angels of God if you sleep. I'm calling us in this moment, in this season, to wake up and say no. Because when you say no, all of a sudden, you don't stand in your own power. You don't stand in your own strength. But just as they did for Jesus at the beginning and at the ending of his ministry, I would tell you, there is a help from God at the beginning and the conclusion of every season. God help us. Why do you think Paul said There's an effectual door opened unto me. He wasn't talking about a door framed up with two by four or two by six. He was saying there is a door in the spirit open to me in this city. But the problem is there's many adversaries. What was he talking about? Spiritual things. That's why Peter said that the angels desire to look into these things. Speaking of the things that the prophets of old have spoken of. The angels of God were moving about the earth trying to find the fulfillment. Trying to find the people that were in the place of prophetic fulfillment so they could help them the way they needed to be helped 
What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying that you're not going to be standing where God needs you to be standing if you don't learn how to say no. But preacher, if I, if I say no, I, I'm, I'm going to pigeon my, myself in. I, I, I'm going to rob myself of opportunity. I know that's the point. God's trying to put you in a place where you become dependent on Him and His power and His plans and His purpose. And so I just come here tonight to tell you, if you would surrender yourself to the forever settled Word of God and you would say no to the God-imposed restraints and the God-imposed boundaries, here's what you'd find out. You don't have to do this in your own power. Because new life is in transition. Do we believe that? I mean, I think moving from this building to that building is a pretty big transition. Oh, God. Stand together with me. See, I know the scripture doesn't always say it, but there's a lot of no's in the Bible. Why do you think the angel came to Abraham when he's about to offer his son Isaac? Because he said no to himself. He suppressed the fatherly nature to be obedient to God. And the Lord said, okay, you trusted me away, not everybody trusts me. So I'm going to let you see something not everybody sees. Oh, um, maybe angels reach out and talk to you and grab your arm every day not me Jacob wrestled with that angel no I won't quit until the Lord changes his name says thou shalt be called Israel prince power with God Daniel's in the lion's den. Why? Because he said, no, I won't stop praying. Who wants to be thrown in a lion's den? Not me. My, what a story when they come the next morning. And you're sitting there peaceably with a bunch of lions that have their mouths shut. Because the angel showed up. Well, just ask those three Hebrew boys. He said, you're going to bow to that idol or you're going to be thrown in that fire. I'm sorry. See, God told Moses that you don't make any graven image. You don't bow to any idol. So I know what you say, but here's what I say. No! But no is going to subject me to a more difficult road. Trouble and trauma. I'm going to have to fight. Yeah, you're going to have to fight. But you're also going to get to find out there's a fourth man in the fire. I'm sorry, but I need you to stop preaching of the name of Jesus. No, can't do that. Well, you're going to end up in prison. No problem. Guess who shows up? The angel. Peter finds himself in the same place seven chapters later in Acts 12. What happens? An angel shows up. Paul had a word from God that he would stand before the powers of that nation. He didn't know it was going to come by shipwreck and storm. But you know who stood with him? 
an angel. Because he said no to any other way. I'm preaching to somebody in this house tonight that there is a supernatural help from God, but you don't get it until you learn to say no. I thank God for the yes. And there might be some people in this house tonight that you have to say yes to God. You have to say yes to repentance. and Yes to baptism. Yes to surrendering your life and receiving the Holy Ghost. But can, can I preach to some of us who are beyond those elementary, foundational truths? Spiritual dominion necessitates a no. So at the beginning of his life, he has to say no to the devil. And at the end of his life, he's saying no to his flesh. And in both instances, God sends him help from another world. You want to know when your help's going to come? When you just make up in your mind. And you resolve within your heart that your answer to every lying devil, every seducing spirit, and every weak inclination of your human nature is no, I'm not doing it. No, I'm not turning back. No, I'm not letting go of my promise. No, I'm not neglecting that word. another world would you lift your hands to the Lord right now here's what we need right now we need some people who have been staring the tempter in the eye you've had subtle lies and gentle whispers from the same serpent that got them echoing in your ear and what you've got to do is rise up tonight and say no Thank you. I'm telling you, I laid on my bedroom floor this afternoon and I travailed for somebody in this house. Because there's a serpent slithering through your life, through your mind, and through your heart. And I'm telling you, you can drive it out. You're not going to do it with your singing ability. You're not going to do it with your Sunday suit and tie. 
know you need a strength that comes from another world. You need a power from on high. You need to know what the word says. You need to stand on it. Listen, as a kid, I used to love, I, I loved the Magruders when I was a kid. They were good friends with my aunt and uncle, the pastor in eastern Canada, and so we'd go see them every summer when they were there. And I'll never forget sitting in their living room and hearing them tell the story about when Sister Magruder was battling one of those early bouts of cancer. He said, I woke up in the middle of the night. He heard, said, I heard Priscilla down the hall singing and crying out to God. He said, I walked in that room and opened the office door. She was in there with her Bible on the floor and her sock feet singing, I'll stand on the word. I'm talking to somebody right now who's got sickness in your body and you're battling that lying spirit of unbelief that's tormenting your peace and taking your joy. That word right there says, by his stripes you are healed. So quit trusting in the power of a doctor or a pill or a procedure. You might see them and it might help. But what I've come to tell you tonight is there is a power from another world. There's an angel of God in this house for you in this season. But you're going to have to rise up, look that serpent in the eye, and say no. Nah. This is not the end of my story. That's not where my children are going to end. That's not the outcome of my family. And I'm telling you, I don't know if you're going to have to say no one time, three times, or 300. But if you just keep saying no, one of these days, you're going to wake up. And that snake's not going to be there anymore. And there's going to be an angel that shows up. You know why? Because you just kept saying no. No. No, I'm not going to die. No, I'm not going to live with this. No, it's not going to be like this. I know. I, I can feel it. Some of you are like, well, I don't, I don't know about that. Hey, you do you. I'm just telling you. I made up in my mind a long time ago. If God gives me a word, I will make every decision in my life on the basis of that word. So I'm telling you tonight, you need to look it in the eye with a little spiritual fortitude, maybe a little righteous indignation, a little frustration that you tolerated that lying spirit so long, and you need to say no. No. Why don't you just practice it right now? No. No to that sickness. No to that report. Come on, somebody, say no. No. Lift up your hands. And would you just let the wind of God blow through this house right now? 
Come on, the strength of the Lord is about to be revealed in somebody's mind and somebody's body. What are you standing on? I'm standing on the Word. What are you trusting in? I'm trusting in the Word. Well, how do you do that? Because I know what's written. I can cast all my care upon Him because He cares for me. That confusion doesn't come from Him. That fear doesn't come from Him. That He has power to heal sickness. That His Word can stop the storm. Come on, would you lift up your voice in prayer right now? Come on, you got to say no. You got to drive that unbelief out of your mind. You got to drive your tolerance of that battle out of your life. No, no more. No more. I know what's written. I know the devil tried to use it, but he said he would give his angels charge over me, that they would guard me in the way. And if I stay in his way, if I stay in his word, I'm not in my own power. I'm not in my own strength. But the angel's going to come, and he's going to see me through. The word's going to be fulfilled. The promise is going to come to pass. He did it before. He's going to do it again. Yes, yes, yes. Why don't you find somebody and wake up and pray right now? If one could put a thousand to flight, two, ten thousand. Come on, let's utilize the exponential power of the kingdom. No, 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 no. I don't believe the lie. I don't give in to unbelief. I don't accept the report. No. No, I don't. I don't give in to the temptation. No, I don't. Because I know what's written. And I'm weak and I'm weary, I'm tired, and I want to sleep. But I've got to press on in this moment. Because if I can stay awake to the conclusion of this season, there's an angel coming. Come on, mama, you're not fighting in your own power. Come on, dad. Don't give up. Don't give up. Come on, teenager. You don't have to be like every other teenager. Come on, young adult. Get some nose in your spirit. Get some nose in your life. Come on, there's dominion here right now. There's power here. But you got to resist the tempter.
maybe not so much today because of the industrial revolutions but in that ancient world the development of a people a place a society was contingent upon the discovery of a water source it's my belief that if God did that in the natural he probably did it in the spiritual as well so we see it today the development of the modern world it's on the streams of rivers near to water sources why? because what the water source enables but I would submit to you that just as that was real in the natural so it is in the spiritual why is all this happening here in Terre Haute, Indiana? I'll tell you why because of the foundation of creation said, I'm going to put a spiritual well in this place. And if I can just get some people who are discerning enough to recognize what exists in the Spirit, to build their lives around it. But you know, we're not the only ones that see this. Now, if you live here and haven't read the history of your own city, I recommend you look into the history of Terre Haute. How do you think the old guys like Al Capone like to use this place why do you think it was the old sin city why do you think it was the harboring of all that criminal activity the hideout side of the city of Chicago I'll tell you why because when God formed the earth that we stand on and he spoke it into existence he said I intend to use this place and the people that can perceive my work Why do you think just about the time, Pastor says, you know what, we're going to build a new sanctuary. I saw it 24 years ago, but now's the time. Somebody else would say, well, you know, it's a convenient time to build a big city. I'll tell you what. I'm not really into the politics of it. I'm trying to draw your attention to the spiritual side. I'll tell you why. Because just as much as we perceive what the hand of God is desired to do, I tell you the demonic world is well aware of the potential that exists in this place. But as there was an angel at the beginning, there'll be an angel at the end. But I need you to hear me. At the beginning, it was no to the devil. At the end, it was no to his own flesh. Now, can I tell you what God needs of us in this season is some people to say no to their flesh. I hope you're awake for it. I hope you don't fall asleep. Because, Peter, I'm talking to you that if you can just keep your eyes open to the conclusion of this season there's an angel that's going to show up and you're going to see some things that you've never seen before but you know what you're going to have to do say no and when you say no the same angel that started it in the beginning is going to help you cross the finish line at the end 
Would you lift your hands? And in a prayer of commitment, whatever God would ask of you, whatever God would require, whatever commitment, whatever discipline, whatever sacrifice, before I can say yes to Him, I've got to say no to myself. No, Dan, no. Come on, this is our moment. This is our season. And when you say no, there's a strength from another world.